Okay, I got a cold opening here for you. Uh, this is Jamie, your host. Uh, it's been uh, about two weeks late for my skeptical thinker, and uh, this is being done kind of on the fly, but not necessarily, because I actually wrote all this down about two weeks ago. Uh, I just didn't have time. I was in the middle of doing some traveling because there was a family emergency, which is actually what this is all about. So at the time of this recording it's been about two weeks since I got home and I'm going to just go ahead and read it but just know that it's been about a month since this episode was um, I guess I'd say written um, and, and just things come up and I think you'll get it as soon as I start reading so without further interruptions from my thought process uh, let's let's get into skeptical thinker Today we will be ruminating on death in this episode. It is something that I am thinking a lot about right now because my wife's dad has has died. It was a tough time for my wife's family. Her father, uh, he struggled with his health in the past few months. In fact, he kind of struggled for a few years. And I'm not sure of the totality of his ailments, but at 88 years old, things just didn't work like they used to and his system started to shut down. It culminated in his last two weeks or so, where he was in the hospital for a while, unable to breathe due to fluid in his lungs, and eventually he was sent home with his family, uh, who at the time was his wife and his eldest daughter, and until my wife got there. She kind of made a last-minute decision. Uh, we had actually planned on going out there in June, which is this month. Um, it would actually have been this week. And... Um, we didn't get there because, well, we're not there now because um, he passed. And so we had to get out there sooner. And, and um, so that week, um, he was in and out of consciousness when my wife got there. Um, and at that time, the rest of his family showed up. That would be the rest of his daughters and his son um, and some grandchildren. And then it, it led to his eventual passing uh, about a a week, uh, about five, five or six days after my wife got there. So as a skeptical thinker, uh, I've said in the podcast before that I am, I'm an agnostic, um, but I, I kind of, right now I'm leaning towards atheism. I think the reason I'm doing that is, it's just, right now it's just really difficult to think about the connection with anything out there. In fact, somebody said something on a podcast today, which was, kind of an interesting conversation was, you know, like if, if we feel like God is intervening in our lives and it helps us find, I don't know, maybe our lost keys or at one point my mom had made a comment about us finding a campsite. It happened to be the last campsite and, and she said, well, God must be looking out for us and and somebody else had driven in right behind us and I said, well, he must not, not be looking out for them because they didn't get the campsite. And so I feel like the comment was um, basically like these small things that you know, God is looking out for, it's nothing compared to the big things that are being ignored, like the thousands of people who die uh, in war and famine and, and disease and sickness. You know, my car keys or, or my campsite is small potatoes, and, and it just seems ludicrous to think that there's a, a, a person out there just watching me to make sure, you know, like the finger on the button, ready to go and help whenever I need it. It just uh, doesn't make sense. And so I guess when it comes to death, I'm kind of torn on the concept of death. And I'm kind of torn on whether or not I'm a fence-sitter, like an agnostic, or if I'm like firmly on the side of uh, atheism, or if I have 
you know, other ideas. Um, so at the time I was watching a video on death and dying um, on YouTube. Uh, it was from my favorite, well, yeah, I guess you could say my favorite YouTube um, content makers, which happened to be in this case their Crash Course philosophy video. Um, I really do like Crash Course. Uh, it's excellent, excellent video. Um, it mainly looked at Western philosophy in this video um, and their take on death through the lens of uh, Socrates, who believed that there are only two options in death, uh, one being a long, dreamless sleep, um, the other a release from the mind uh, of the mind from the body where you would live in company of those who have gone before you. So great company, like other people who have thoughts that are much like yours or whatever. But that was kind of Socrates' take on it. Um, they talked about Epicurus, um, who is a Stoic philosopher, and they said that he believed that death is just the cessation of existence and was nothing to fear. Um, another podcast I was listening to, they kind of talked a little bit that, about that. They touched on it and that my consciousness right now is here and now. And then when I die, it's not. It's just not here. And I don't feel like time is passing anymore. It's just done. It just doesn't exist. Um, and then maybe, boom, there's my consciousness again, someplace else, doing something else. And, and boom, it's gone again. And I thought that was kind of an interesting and strangely comforting thought. Um, so that, that, was, that was kind of an Epicurean type of way of looking at things. And, and the, the video did talk about a couple of other philosophers, uh, but I right now can't seem to wrap my head around them. But anyways, it kind of boils down to this. If, if I am dead, then the fear of death is over. So since I am alive, then I fear death, right? Is this the fear of the unknown? I really don't know what I think of death at the moment. Is it the fear of being left out of the future? A kind of FOMO that Hank Green talked about in his video? Going through some of my journals, I have found that I have sometimes written a thing or two about death. For example, in uh, June of 2012, um, oops, I went too far on my, my, uh, my list of things I'm going to talk about. There we go. Fixed it. Uh, so yeah, in June of 2012, um, I wrote a book called The Sacred Isle, which is... Um, a book on the belief and religion of pre-Christian Ireland. And I'm going to put the book into the, the information into the show notes. Um, in a very early chapter in the book, the author discusses burial chambers. And these are pre-Celtic peoples. Um, they were very much in tune with the seasonal changes, although there's been some arguments that they were not so, you know, enamored with the uh, seasonal changes. But, you know, this is what the book talked about in 2012. Uh, this was seen in their burial chambers, with their earliest burials being court cairns, which, uh, from the sound of it, it's just a, uh, like a courtyard. Uh, and those are from the Neolith Neolithic age. So these cairns were usually eastern-facing rock structures with circular courtyards leading to a chamber. And while they are extremely old, there is little evidence that these were actually used as burial chambers but they were aligned to astronomical events like equinoxes and solstices and have may have been used for ceremonies. Another type is the portal chambers and they came next in the progression of burial chambers. Many of these are found in the northern part of Ireland. These are large stone structures that had two large standing stones in the front with a smaller single stone at the back. On the top of the three standing stones would rest a large altar stone. They were generally facing east, 
like the court cairns, with a strong connection to seasonal changes. And finally, the author introduces a third type of chamber called the passage grave. These are the largest of the burial chambers. They were earthen mounds surrounded by stone walls. They usually had passages leading into internal chambers, and they too showed evidence of sun worship, as ancient Celts tended to align them to the seasonal movements. My notes tell me that the precise alignment of the passage graves allowed for the sunlight on the morning of the spring equinox to release the spirits of those who were interred there. And whether that's the, the whole mythos of the ancient Celts or not is, I guess, irrelevant, um, but it kind of seems to make sense to the writer, to the author. Um, she saw, she um, suggested that the Celts believed that a rebirth took place. Um, it might have been a male writer on this particular one. I, I don't have that in my notes. Because uh, I read another one, too, uh, with a female author. Uh, anyways, the, the earth in the passage grave had a feminine attribute as, as if it was a womb for the dead, while the sun at the equinox was masculine and enabled the rebirth. So I'm assuming the sun, as it shoots its sunlight into the passage of the passage grave, was like a masculinity type thing? So I guess. So in another book that I read and in some notes in my journals, um, Native American cultures also had an interesting take on death. In the particular book I read, it was called The Sacred Pipe, which was a book um, not written by Black Elk, but it was written about the seven rites of the Oogla, 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 <laughs> there we go, Oglala Sioux. I, I'm not sure if it's the Oglala, um, but it's O-G-L-A-L-A, Sioux. In that book, there was a few passages about the releasing of the spirit. And I also have a note in my journal that suggests that bodies of the dead were interred on scaffolds in trees to return the body to the elements from which it came. It is left exposed to the agents of heavens, for the four winds, the rains, the wingeds of the air, each of which, and with the earth absorbs a part. I even have a personal note on that one, that I love that idea. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of goes counterintuitive to even the way we bury our dead, um, where we just, we bury them. Um, there was interesting, yeah, the difference, the juxtaposition, the differences between the two. Um, and, and anyway, that's about it in my journal on thoughts of death. Um, I have a few native prayers with passages, passages like, Make us always ready to come to you with clean hands and straight eyes, so when life fades as the setting sun, our spirits may come to you without shame. Or another one, When you were born, you cried, and the world rejoices. Live your life so that when you die, the world cries, and you rejoice. These are lovely thoughts, but what I want to know is what leads us to believe our beliefs on death. As an agnostic and sometimes atheist, I struggle with death, not because I struggle with belief of a higher power, but I struggle with the lack of clarity of what it means to die. Is it just the cessation of life? Is there another place out there that is better than this place? What would heaven be like if it did exist? I have heard from time to time about near-death experiences, darkness, then light, maybe a tunnel, Pain subsides and peacefulness ensues. Some even claim to have vision or conversations with deities. I remain skeptical. 
The brain has an amazing ability to keep working and forming thoughts even at near death. I do like the vision of pain reduction and peacefulness, as it feels like it fits in with the Epicurean idea that the end is just oblivion. I would like also to take issue with the idea that there is a better place than this one here. True, there is war, strife, famine, disease, death, horrible people, horrendous national, natural disasters, and a plethora of other terrible things that this world produces. But on the other side of that is beauty beyond measure, true and unconditional love, pizza, interaction with people, driving cars, wind in your hair, the sun rising in the morning, the wild diversity of life, ice cream, and so many more things that I can't even begin to make a complete list. I question the desire people have to look at this world, this life, as a stepping stone to someplace better beyond this one. Why is this life just a transition? Why is this one life of mine limited to the preconceived notions and rules of a faction of individuals who claim that this life is supposed to be a trial to get into the next one? Who is out there or up there watching my every move to make sure that I am living a virtuous life? Is there an individual, celestial being who is standing there with a clipboard in hand, checking off all the good and bad things that I am doing? And how is it that heaven, uh, and how is that heaven for that worker, that celestial being whose eternity is watching me and checking off the good and bad? Did they die only to realize that they loved being a government-like worker who just wanted to spend eternity checking on how others are living their lives? Does that sound ludicrous? It does to me. Sorry about that feedback there. It looks like my my little thing, my my uh, what's that screen in front of the mic just kind of shifted a little bit. Anyway, so it does sound ludicrous to me. In the end, I see this life as possibly the only life. In some crazy beautiful way, all the chemical and physical material that makes me up decided to get together and create me. The cosmically, astronomically immeasurable odds of all this happening to bring me to this place at this moment are too large to even fathom. So to think that this one life I have to live is only a placeholder in the world, a testing ground to determine my worth to transcend to another place entirely is laughable. I will live this life to the best of my ability. I will try to do as little harm to others because it is the right thing to do. Because social creatures have evolved to be social together because there was safety in numbers. That the construct of morality and ethics evolved because it was an adaptation to isolation. Humans live better by working together. We are not bound by rules created in very questionable books by deities that really have no logical or even illogical reason for being, no matter how convoluted our thinking is about them. I'm not going to do mind-bending acrobatics to try to fit the disjointed teachings of an outdated tome into my life. When it comes to death, I'm still not sure where it all leads. I think at the moment... I find comfort in the way families come together when a loved one dies, when we lean on each other and celebrate the life of the deceased. 
My wife told me recently, though they are not her words, that funerals are for the living. And she's not wrong. But living is for the living, too. And in the end, when I die, if I end up ceasing to exist, then I believe my life will still have meaning, even if I do not end up in another place. I will live on. That is, literally, not figuratively. I have journals in writing. I have thoughts that I have written down that will be there as long as there are those who are willing to read through them and take them to heart. Many of my journals are filled with quotes and writings of other people, too, some long gone, yet their lives are still experienced in my own life, through my own ability to empathize and relate to what it was they were trying to say. I have stacks of books with highlights and underlines that point to some more nuggets of wisdom that may never be in one of my journals. But I thought they were important enough, that there might be something that resonated with me, and I thought might resonate with the future me, or maybe the person who might glean a small chunk of enlightenment from the passages I underlined if I get rid of the book. But even if all that I have written, all that I have absorbed from this amazing world, is reduced to pulp in a recycling facility, or deleted from the servers that once housed my data, it will not be the end of my memory, for it is the universe that I am ultimately a part of. Every molecule, atom, and subatomic particle will eventually be released into the cosmos to be repurposed, reorganized, renewed, and newly realized. Death ends one possibility, but opens up new horizons. It is this that gives me comfort and makes me want to make this life my only life the best that it can be. Thank you for joining me today on Skeptical Thinker. As always, like and subscribe. I am happy to hear from you if you want to comment. As a teacher, my summer break has started, so I might be trying to get some more out of this podcast. Still, only one podcast on the first Saturday of each month. I promise the next one will be on time. But I am going to definitely try to diff try different formats and some more timely topics. I'll also see if I can find some more places to upload the podcast. I'm going to work on the podcast logo too. It's a little boring, and it feels like I did it in a couple of minutes on Google Draw, which I did. May your life be filled with meaning, and stay skeptical.